Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, He is risen. We celebrate today the radiant resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the conquering of death as we sing today, Christ is risen from the dead, by death he trampled death, and to those within the tombs he granted life. But before Christ could ascend from the grave, he had to first descend. A somewhat lesser known service in the Byzantine tradition is the service that is done on the morning of Great and Holy Saturday, which would have been yesterday. It's called the Jerusalem Matins. And this service is a masterpiece, not only of beautiful chant, but also of poetry, of paradox, of theology. Because one of the most significant moments in these three days of Christ being on the cross and rising on the third day, one of the most significant moments is the in-between time when Christ descends into hell. And this is where the great battle takes place. This is where the back of Satan, of death, is broken. It starts on the cross. Yes, we talk about salvation by means of the cross, because it was through the cross that Christ was able to then die on the cross and then descend into Hades, into hell, to do battle with the evil one, the Satan to break the bonds of hell and to release the captives. So this was a very significant moment. There would be no resurrection, no liberation, no salvation for anyone, no entrance into heaven had it not been for that moment in between the cross and the resurrection. Christ descends into the bowels of hell and does battle with the evil one. In the resurrection icon, if you're familiar with it, it features Christ in the center of the icon in a very dramatic pose. His legs are stretched wide as if he's running or jumping or, or just descending and ascending all at the same time. It's a lot of action. His two arms outstretched as well, but they grab, in each of his hands, he grabs the hand of Adam and the hand of Eve, and he's pulling them up out of what looked to be sarcophagi, like tombs. 
This symbolizes humanity, not only Adam and Eve, but humanity and everyone that came before Christ who could not enter heaven until Christ sacrificed himself, did battle with the evil one, broke the power of Satan, broke the gates of hell that prevented people from entering heaven. Only then could they enter. And so the icon depicts Christ grabbing Adam and Eve and pulling them up out of hell and resurrecting with him. And with them, Adam and Eve, comes all of humanity and all of creation. And this is why we have depicted in the icon the resurrection, which, by the way, is technically called the harrowing of hell. The harrowing of hell. You see, there's really no exact icon of the resurrection itself, even though we call this icon the resurrection. It's really the harrowing of hell. And depicted along with Adam and Eve and Christ are people that preceded Christ, significant people like the prophets, King David, Solomon, and John the Baptist, Abel, Jonah, Isaiah. What this means is that those righteous people who awaited the fulfillment of time, the fulfillment of the promise, they had to wait, as righteous as they were. They could not go to heaven yet. Heaven was closed because of original sin. It can only be reopened by God himself, who takes on our human nature and breaks open again the bonds of hell so that we can regain heaven again. In fact, in the icon, it shows Christ descending into hell, at the same time ascending, as I mentioned, with Adam and Eve. And what he's trampling upon looks like two pieces of wood or walls, and they break apart and they fall in the form of a cross, a cross as though it's a bit slanted or falling on its side. Christ is trampling death as we sing during the liturgy at this time, and he tramples on death by means of the cross. So the gates of hell that he tramples upon, ironically, fall down, they collapse and take on the form of a cross. And we see hinges and links and chains and locks breaking apart and flying around in the deep abyss. All of the chains have been broken as a result of Christ's descent into hell. He does the great battle in hell, defeats the power of Satan. Only then does he rise up And it is a very significant moment in which we are immersed into by means of a very significant, profound service, this Jerusalem Matins. I'm going to share with you some of the verses from the Jerusalem Matins, how I wish I could also share with you the chant. It's magnificent. You'll just have to come and attend sometime, especially at Annunciation Church in Homer Glen. We sing things like this. They are happy whose life is blameless, who follow God's law. In a grave they laid you, O my life and my Christ, and the armies of the angels were sore, amazed as they sang the praise of your submissive love. And then we also say things like this. Lo, how fair his beauty, never was man so fair, but how strangely death has changed that face that we knew, though all nature owes all beauty to him. How shall the young remain sinless by obeying your word? O my sweet Lord Jesus, my salvation, my light, how are you by a grave and its darkness hid? How unspeakable the mystery of your love. When the ewe that bore him saw them slaying her lamb, tossed by swelling waves of pain, she sobbed forth from her woe and moved all the flock to join her bitter cries. Who will give me water for the tears I must weep? So the maiden, wed to God, cried out in loud lament, that for my sweet Jesus I might rightly mourn. It's interesting, some of the reference here. This, of course, as you may have guessed, is the Virgin Mary talking as she's beholding this mystery. And as she does it, so do we. 
we align ourselves with her. And she says, Who will give me water from my tears? I must weep. That for my sweet Jesus, I might rightly mourn. In the Virgin Mary, we see, poetically and theologically expressed, in the Jerusalem Matin service, the grief of a mother who looks upon the suffering of her innocent son, yet she also has the resignation of the mother of God, who understands this great mission of her son. But what deep, heartfelt words come to us through the liturgy of the church as the mother of God stands there at the cross. Snared is now the snarer. Man ensnared is ransomed, my God, through your great wisdom. Isn't it interesting? Snared is now the snarer. John Chrysostom speaks in his homily on Easter, on Pascha, about how Christ, in a sense, fools the devil. He sees another human being coming into his lair, and he goes to grab it. And as he grabs it, he finds out that it's God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And in grabbing Christ, trying to seize him, he loses all those captives he did have. The supreme irony that the devil encounters, as described by John Chrysostom in his magnificent homily on the Resurrection Day and Pascha. And then we sing this. At your coming, O word, Hades was filled with bitterness, for it saw a mortal deified, a man covered with wounds, who was yet an all-powerful victor. At this sight, Hades was gripped with terror. By being covered with the dust of the earth, you renew the nature of mortals, O creator. The tomb and the winding sheet reveal your deepest mystery, O word. The noble counselor renders present the counsel of your eternal father, who renews me in this wondrous way through you. You see, as I mentioned earlier, we have to remember that whatever happens to Christ is happening to us. He is the fullness of the human experience. And so as he descends into hell, we do also with him. And as he rises out of hell, liberates us, we go with him as well. And we do that in a very real way. We call that a mystical way through the liturgical services. This is why church is so significant. We should see it as so significant in our lives because we can move with Christ in a way we can't in any other way except through the liturgy. Listen to these words. The flesh that you had assumed a word was taken without being separated from you. At the hour of your passion, the temple of your body was destroyed, but your divinity remained united to your flesh. In both one and the other, you are God and man, the Son and Word of God. Now, you see, there's a theological explanation about a very big theological question. What suffered on the cross? What died on the cross? Could God die? Was just as human nature? Well, we answer that through the liturgy of the church. There's a verse from Jerusalem Matins. The flesh that you had assumed, O word, was taken without being separated from you. At the hour of your passion, the temple of your body was destroyed, but your divinity remained united to your flesh. In both one and the other, you were God and man, the Son and Word of God. When we return, we're going to talk more about this magnificent service of the Jerusalem Matins, prayed on holy and great Saturday morning in the Byzantine Church. And I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright.
As a married couple, how would you like to give each other the gift of love itself? then this is for you. Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya, and I am inviting husbands and wives to join me and the team of the Tabor Life Institute at St. Basil's Parish in Sterling Heights, Michigan on Saturday, April 30th for Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. Our presentation weds together the sacramental liturgical worldview of Byzantine spirituality and St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body to rediscover the why of marriage so as to know the how of a happy sacramental marriage. We will also integrate what goes on in church with what should go on in our homes. For information and to register, visit TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Or call 708-645-0762. 708-645-0762. For Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. And again, I say to you, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. We're working our way today through the Jerusalem Matin Service, a service that may not be all that familiar to you. It is prayed and celebrated on Holy and Great Saturday morning in the Byzantine Church. And it is all about moving with Christ into hell. That's right, descending into hell with him so that he can break the bonds of hell and release all the captives there, which include us. We rise up with Christ, and only because he did this do we have access to heaven. So it's a very significant theological moment in the liturgy of the church and in the life of Christ. It stands between Friday, where he's, he hangs on the cross, and also Sunday, where he rises from the dead. Significant moment in between. We sing things like this to continue through our text here. Jonah was enclosed, but not held fast, in the belly of the whale. For serving as a figure of you, who have suffered and were buried in a tomb, he leapt forth from a monstrous, from a bridal chamber, and he called out unto the watch. All you who keep guard falsely and in vain, you have forsaken your own mercy. And notice how it talks about Jonah leaping from the monster as from a bridal chamber. Today, on Pascha Sunday itself, the Sunday of the Resurrection, we sing Christ emerges from the tomb like a bridegroom from the bridal chamber and fills the women with joy. 
So what we see in Jonah is one of those many prefigurements of Christ and his resurrection, the allegorical typology. And that's why the geniusness of the liturgy brings in that nuptial imagery even into the event of Jonah, since it's a prefigurement of Christ's resurrection, his death and resurrection, which was really his mystical wedding. He as the bridegroom wedding his bride marrying his bride, uniting with his bride in intimate union and rising as a bridegroom from the bridal chamber. And so too, the reference is made to the experience of Jonah. He who holds the whole universe in his hands is raised upon the cross, and all creation weeps as it sees him hanging on the wood. The sun hides its rays and the stars lose their brightness. The earth quakes and is filled with fear. The seas draw back and the rocks split in two. The tombs open, the bodies of the saints rise. Hades laments, and the Sanhedrin gathers to fabricate a story to deny the resurrection of Christ. And the women cry out, Behold the Sabbath most transcended in blessings in which Christ has slept and shall rise on the third day. So we see again, as I mentioned earlier, that not only do we rise with Christ, and all those that came before Christ who could not gain entrance into heaven until he paid the ransom and broke the power of Satan, not only with us, Not only do we rise with Christ and all those that came before him, but also all creation is elevated. All creation is sanctified, just as it was during his incarnation. Now it is raised up with him. He who holds the whole universe in his hands is raised upon the cross, and all creation weeps as it sees him hanging on the cross. But then all creation will also rise with him. You also heard us mention the word slept. Christ has slept and shall rise on the third day. In the beginning of the Bible, we hear about how Christ rested on the seventh day. This became, of course, the Sabbath. We say that Christ had a Sabbath. We say that Christ had a Sabbath rest on the seventh day. And that day now, that of course is Saturday, he rests, but now we say that he rests in Hades. It's as though what he's doing is refreshing himself and all of humanity. Yes, he's making war with the devil. He's breaking the power of the devil. But in going under the earth and seeming to be put to sleep, a kind of a sleep, his death was, is almost seen as a type of sleep. He's in the tomb, seems to be dead, but we know it's not death that's permanent. So the wording we use in the liturgy is the sleep. So he's doing a Sabbath rest under the ground, under deep inside the earth. And in that rest, he renews and refreshes humanity. That's what rest does. Let's face it, that's what sleep is. Sleep is our refreshment, our renewal. But this is what's happening to us in terms of our destiny. Physically and spiritually, we're being refreshed and renewed as we sleep with Christ deep inside the earth during that Saturday, that time in between his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so it's very significant that we use that word sleep in the liturgical verses. And there's another reference to this effect as well. For it is fitting that you come forth from the tomb as from a bridal chamber. You have broken the kingdom of death, O Christ, and opened the gates of paradise to mortals. O Lord, glory to you. In addition to the magnificent and poetic and theological texts in this Jerusalem Matin service, We also have a procession in which the priest, preceded by candle bearers and deacons, takes upon his shoulder once again the burial shroud. In the Slavic language, it's called the plashenitsa. In the Greek, epitaphion. It's a shroud with the image of the dead Christ on there, where he's been taken down from the cross, wrapped in a clean shroud, and laid in a tomb. 
And the priest takes this on his back on the Great and Holy Friday service, the evening Vesper service, and then we all go in procession with the priest and then come to the structure in the middle of the church that symbolizes the tomb. And the priest carefully lays that shroud that he's been carrying in procession as though he were Joseph of Arimathea. He lays it into that tomb, and then everyone comes up to venerate the body of Christ, kissing that icon that's on the shroud on the wounds of Christ, on his head his hands, and his feet, his side. But on Holy Great Saturday, we once again pick up that shroud and we go in a procession three times around the church singing, Holy God, Holy and Mighty, Holy and Immortal, have mercy on us, to a very solemn chant. Much of this service of the Jerusalem Matins is very triumphant because that's, as I mentioned, it's what it is. It's a battle, it's a fight, and Christ breaks the power of Satan. He scores a victory. In fact, on the icon, on his dazzling white robes that are furling in the energy of his descent and ascent, he also has a gold band on his shoulder. This symbolizes a military armband. So again, we have that very strong militaristic fighting battle imagery in this icon, in this event of Christ's descent into hell. After the Trisagion and the procession, Holy God, Holy and Mighty, One Immortal, we have then the reading from the Bible. It comes from Ezekiel, the famous dry bones, where Ezekiel sees a vision of dead bones being put back together again into a full skeleton. That, of course, as you probably can imagine, is another allegorical typology for the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of mankind. You also remember that when Christ resurrected, people came out of their tombs. So in the same way, these dead bones, these dead dry bones become alive again. They become put back together again, just as we will be in the final resurrection of the dead, when our bodies, having been decayed, will rise up again, be reunited with our souls, and those who are just shall live in everlasting life, body and soul intact together, spiritualized, made glorious again, intact, integrated. Those, of course, who are not making it to heaven will live on body and soul with the damned. So we certainly hope that we are among the living to enjoy once again life whole again, integrated, body and soul, but spiritualized, very much like Christ in his post-resurrection appearances. Remember when he spoke to Thomas, the apostles, he came through the door, though it was locked. At times they thought he was a ghost in some of those appearances because he had a power to do things that the physical body is not really capable of doing, yet he still had the body. So what we have then is a spiritualized body, a body and soul reunited but glorified, integrated, spiritualized, realizing its ultimate destiny. In this Jerusalem Matin service, we then prepare ourselves for that ultimate service of the resurrection of the dead. But first, we had to descend into hell with Christ. And we do so in a magnificent way through these Jerusalem Matins. I want to extend to all of you from all of us here at Light of the East, our truly heartfelt and radiant greetings of the resurrection. I want to thank you for all of your listening, all of your kind words and letters to us. I'd like to acknowledge a few people who wrote to us recently, Barbara, Barbara Van Aslan, also Maria Lopez, Eddie Mulyono, and one of our good friends, Bolislav Baca. Those are just some of you who have written to us recently with very kind letters. We really appreciate that. But we appreciate all of you 
for listening to Light of the East. And we do hope that you will come to know and to live, especially through the liturgy of the church, through the things that you hear in this program. You will come to know and really live as resurrected people. That was the whole goal of our Lenten practices, the asceticism, the rigors of prayer and fasting. It was the goal of the deep and meaningful and rich services of this great week, this holy week, this week of the bridegroom. Certainly it was in this service of Jerusalem Matins that we explored today. But all that leads up to our transfiguration, our divinization, our rising up to live as resurrected people, which means people of joy, people of love, people have that gleam in the eye, people who are not cynical, people who are open and loving, patient, kind, humble, people of incredible joy, of forgiveness, of incredible love. This is our wish for all of you who listen to us, all of us from Light of the East, thanking you for listening to us, and we hope and pray that you will indeed enjoy the radiance of this resurrection. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.